0: My son is reading his DNA book to take a look at what was before. Science has went into his head, went into his veins, but it's good for him. A little bit of science and a little bit of theology doesn't hurt anyone. Experimental Stories by York Campbell We are about to start the experiment. Put on your headphones, pull the blanket over your head, and let's begin. Young people could learn from him, that science and religion could be close cousins to understand the world of symmetry, of harmony, of chaos, of darkness, and of the abode of light. I wish that I was like him. In my tender years, I wish I read more about theology, and I wish I read more about science and harmony and how they could work together. Education back then and even now is broken, like a cord snapped in two. But he's clever enough not to be polluted by the nonsense of this world. There's a lesson there. The cold wind brushed on my artificial pines next to the recycling bins and the garbage bags. I knew this day was coming. No tree lives forever. Even the real ones find their way on curbs. Some trees limp and stagger. Their elderly arms cannot hold the ornaments. Their frail bones shake with the slightest touch. That wasn't the case for me. I was an old fart, but my knees didn't wobble. Some of my branches were missing, but I didn't complain. Candy canes and crystals, child-decorated ornaments and tinsels, hung with splendid lights running through my veins. Now I'm waiting for the man to pick me up and throw me in the truck, drive me far away from home, and dump my corpse in the field. think about the family. I wonder how they're getting along without me. For over 20 years, I was the most consistent thing in their lives. Outlived their failed marriage and their rebellious teens. Provided light for the angel when I was plugged in. They are trading me in for a more expensive tree. Not a plastic carbon copy, but one from the wild that matches the new house with their four-car garage. A spruce that sheds pines as each year is replaced. Are you comfortable? Good. Good. The following may seem disturbing. We started together, both pigs in the mud, wallowing in the novelty of our call taker position, scratching each other's back, being on lookout, squealing when the butcher came around the fence. We worked our fingers to the keys, sweltering in our swivel chairs and a microphone attached to our earlobes. Can you hear me now? We were somewhat happy. We ate our bi-weekly feed in the form of a paycheck. We relished in the barn, secure from unemployment. The day came when the farmer reached from yonder and pulled him from the mud Rather than a blade through the belly, his status was altered. No longer the humble pig, but the farmer's top butcher. He wielded the axe in the office, blind and drunk from his power, forgetting that he was a hog rolling around in the dirt It's been a while that we connected on a deep level. Parenting and bills seems to occupy space, forcing everything out of the room, along with our simple, uncomplicated love. When we held hands and painted a universe of possibilities, years have set in. Romantic notions have been consumed with credit card debts and mortgage payments. Copulation is a scheduled event. As domestic chores and overnight shifts take center stage, our conversations are truncated by TV shows, leaving the soul malnourished and the marriage undefined. What happened to those passionate nights when our hands and mind explored every crevice? Our bodies interwove into intimate bliss. It seems those days have come and gone at temporal glory, lost in the busyness of life. Like them or love them, cell phones we know are a big part of our daily lives. For some of us, they're pretty much an extension of the hand, are they not? What if kids told you exactly how your phone habits make them feel? Well, a school teacher in the United States asked her second graders to describe something that they wish had never been created, and a handful of those students answered, cell phones. Very little eye contact. Can't even recall her shade of brown. Our ostrich necks stared down at the devices. Our fingers swirled. The magic on the screen, staying connected, seems more important than being intimate. This inanimate object is a barrier to our marriage. The span of human knowledge is contained in aluminum. The chronicles of earth weighing less than four ounces. Its plethora of distractions causes more damage than blessings. I acquired arcane factoids but lost the details of our wedding the way our lips kissed, hands felt as we walked down the aisle. We thought of ways of fixing this disease, both convinced that the device is a leech that subtracts our conversations to near extinction. Convictions lasted for a day or two. The policies imposed were tiptoed and overthrown. Our devices called our names and demanded to be touched. I have given into lust, preferring glass over skin. A beautiful interface, rather than a curvaceous bride. Impossible to compete with her folder of games. My amusing proclivities is decimated by Casino or another app that sets her fancy on fire. I wonder if I should secretly sledgehammer our gizmos so we could get lost in our rainbow of love and cherish the mundane and the intrigues of us. Well, it comes up in sessions with couples a lot where they're like, I can't connect with you. You're always on your phone. But recently I was talking with somebody that really shed some light on a neediness that can be created, that it was really triggering his insecurity because of the access that he could be connecting to his wife at all times, and why wasn't she replying back? The skull and crossbow was stitched to his toque. It was a symbol of resurrection for martyred saints. The same sign is converted into death, plastered on T-shirts and boys' undies. Many people have forgotten how to live. No flesh, no heart. Just a skeleton existence. A servant to the hand of oppression. Not sure why this sign is so prevalent. Not much artistic merit, but people are drawn. Wouldn't be surprised if the maple leaf was replaced by the Jolly Roger, waving on flagpoles overlooking Parliament, a dominant sign reminding us of the grave, rather than the sweet taste of maple and resurrection Sundays. The blue dove on his right arm was a symbol of better days, days before his fingers furled and his body was compromised by a spinal injury. His smoky voice and eloquent digits used to strum on the acoustic on Bank and Laurier Street. Now he's puffing on a stick, wheeling his chair down the ramp of salvation. Two years prior, he was the savior, a voice in the wilderness of a belligerent city. I'm sure he doesn't want my pity, as he shares with me. The glory and the pain, retelling stories of Job and how his life parallels, his rise and fall, and eventual rise. I hope in his case, he rises from the ashes, leaves this toad existence, and the universe of sorrow. Close your eyes, breathe slow, and count backwards from 55. We'll now begin the final steps of the experiment. She was caught in the act. A flea on a web. The Pharisees tightened their trap. Shame and guilt interwoven, along with a fear of potential stones. Angry men, with ulterior motives, grabbed her arms and pushed her into the streets. A look of scorn from the moral elite. Their woman sharpened their arrows of hate. Her fate was sealed. There was no defense. Her act of passion, her sentence, was death. 39, 38, 37. They threw her at the feet of a mystic philosopher, whose eyes and heart expands the cosmos. 36. Tears curtained her face. She shivered. Mercy and judgment was in his reach. The mob looked on, thirsting for blood. With the virtue of heaven, the great man spoke. Whoever is without sin, cast. The First Stone Thank you for listening to Episode 9 of of experimental stories. Next week is the season finale. Please let me know what you think about the season so far and what ideas you have for the next season because the format of the show may change. It may stay the same, but I always like when things alter. Don't you? There's some people that like everything to stay the same and then there's other people they, they want to have a radical difference. It's hard to please both groups of people. but I do hope that you stay tuned with me as I'm putting together more material for this show. In the meantime, you could listen to my other show, "Welcome to Earth Stories." These are more involved stories with more voices, more of, a, I guess, a direction, not as messy. So you could go on the website, welcometoearthstories.com to to learn more. And I definitely want to hear from you as well. You could reach me on Twitter. My handle there is PoeticEarthling. Thanks again for listening to these experiments. I'm going to get some sleep right now. I am very tired. You have a good sleep, and I'll talk to you next week. Experimental Stories is created for nocturnal creatures only. Please pass along this cassette tape to your fellow human. Good night.